Happy New Year. It's the first day of the year. It's the first Sunday of the year. It's kind of a big deal. And you're here. So that's a big deal. You're here. And it's on days like this, I feel a little bit of pressure sometimes. And I feel like, I feel like pressure, what I'm going to preach. It's like, this is a big deal. It's the first day of 2023. And I don't want to just like mail it in, you know, it's got to be good. <laughs> and so I, I came up with a lot of different things I could preach on today. And I I didn't settle on any one particular thing of these, but I do want to share with you um, these ideas I had for this first Sunday, this first day of 2023. Um, The first one was this, 2023, the year of the nap, I mean the year of the Sabbath. Um, How about this one, 23 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 2023. I decided not to preach about that one because I've done it before about 22 other times. Um, How about this one? Crossing the Jordan in the year of Jordan. (laughs) Some of y'all will get that on your way home. (laughs) Here, I'm going to step on somebody's toes on this one. Better understanding God's will for your life by better understanding your Enneagram number. I thought there'd be more laughs than, oh, that was painful. Um, How about this one? 2020 vision, part three. (laughs) But Aaron is sitting there looking at me like, actually, that would be part four, right? 2020, 21, 22, 23. Okay. He's a brilliant mind. What year is it? 2023. Duh. No, more like 2020 free, dumb. Anyway, okay. How about this one? Let's do some numerology. Two plus zero plus two plus three equals seven, the year of perfection. And here's one I know that you all want me to preach on today. Acts 20, 23. The year of, inf- of afflictions and imprisonment, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, Paul said, he says, uh, I'd love to do all this, but the Holy Spirit already revealed to me that there's going to be some afflictions and imprisonment. So anyway, well, kids, kids, I'm so glad that you're in the service with us. And um, and a little bit later in the service, I'm going to reveal what I believe the Lord is speaking to us for Seeds Church specifically about 2023. But I'm just curious as if any of the kids in the house can tell me what last year's theme was for Seeds Church. Does anybody know? I mean, I have some Starburst Starburst here as a reward. If any of the kids can tell me what 2022 was here at Seeds Church. Even youth can participate. Dan, what is it? Say it again. Led by the Spirit. That's part of it. Shaped by the word, led by the spirit. Dan, come here and get some starbursts. He might have had some help, but that's all right. We all need some. Amen? Uh, Wait, wait. There's more. Not for you, Dan, but for somebody else. I stopped at the convenience store this morning. I said, we got children. That means we need candy. Amen? All right. 
Someone, someone tell me what the 2021 was at Seeds Church. No, that, that was a good try. 2021. Let me give you a hint. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Yes, we're going to trust in the Lord more than ever before. 2020. <laughs> she beat you, Bethany. There we go. That's all right. Here, that's for you anyway. All right. I got Reese's and some regular M&M's here, but I'm out of questions, so... Anyway, how about this? How about this? Uh, in just a second, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33. Can anyone tell me who's the, the star besides the Lord God, Yahweh? Who is the star of that chapter? Moses! Love it. Right there. And here, Rowan, this is just for shooting your hand up at the exact same time. Okay. Give these kids a hand clap. So legitimately, a few months ago, I th in our, we had like a two-part series called Book of Prayers, and we talked about Moses. Um, and as we begin the new year, I believe that um, we were headed into this season of seek, this intentional time of corporate prayer and fasting. I want us to take a look at some other interactions that Moses had with the Lord, because I believe it's going to be helpful for all of us uh, as we move forward in 2023. So would you guys stand with me as we continue, praise God, to be shaped by the word and led by the spirit, right? We're, we are still a church of strong families. We are still a church that trusts the Lord more than ever before. We are still a church that's going to be shaped by the word and led by the spirit. Exodus chapter 33, I ask you to read all aloud with me. Here we, here we go, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I might know you in order to find your... Thank you, yes. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you, you stand outside of time. God, you're, you're, you're so encompassing that you can be in our past, present, and future all at the same time, and that blows our minds because you are the one that created time. It, 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 you are not bound by it. But, Lord, we are finite beings, and we have crossed the threshold into a new year. And we stand at this, at this gate, God, at the, the, very, the very beginning of this pathway of this year, and we say, Jesus, we want you to be the center we, from this very moment, this very first day of the year, we don't want to take another step on this path without knowing, God, that you've called us, that, that you have a good plan for us. 
God, that even the tests and the trials that await us, God, that you are with us, that your rod and your staff, they comfort us and they guide us and that we can go through any valley and know that you are going to lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. And so we remember that and we center ourselves on you, Jesus, and we pray, Holy Spirit, you would empower us and that, God, you would get all the glory in the name of Jesus. And the people of God shouted, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I got friends texting me. They must not be at church this morning. So anyway, bless their heart. A few years ago, I was leading a mission trip to Costa Rica. Uh, Jelana was with me on that trip. It was her first mission trip. And there were 20 youth that were on the trip and five adults that were the leaders. And uh, we saw God do some great things on that mission trip. And now we're headed home to come back. I think we had been gone for about a week and a half or so, and we were really looking forward to sleeping in our own beds. I mean, how many of you have been on the mission field, and you're like, praise God, I'm so glad, Lord, that you sent me, and now I'm so glad, Lord, that I get to come home and sleep in my own bed. And, and Allie, who has spent many days on the mission field, is giving us a big wave. Hey, I want to pause for a second, speaking of, uh, many of you know this, but some of you may not, uh, that our brother Tom... Uh, suffered a um, a heart episode. That's what they call them these days, right? But he's alive. Praise the Lord! And we're thankful that uh, that he got very good medical care, and we're thankful that the Lord has heard our prayers, and we're very thankful that he's with us. And so, if you guys know Tom. Uh, and Tina, encourage them, call them, bless them. I believe there's a meal train that's going. I don't know if it's full up or not, but it's not. Lauren is telling me it's not full. So how can people find out about that? Okay. On Facebook, on the website, we'll put it out there. You can find the meal train slots. Let's fill it up and let's bless their socks off. And there might even be some dietary things because uh, Tom might, you know, not might not be able to eat fried chicken anymore for a while. <laughs> we'll pray for him. And, uh, but, but let's bless them in this time, amen? And call on them and, and just overwhelm them with love. So anyway, we're looking forward to sleeping in our own beds, all that to say that. And our international flight was coming in, and we had connected in Miami before we came home to Nashville. And we landed, and then we just sat on the tarmac for a long time, and we weren't moving. And then the, finally the, the pilot came over the intercom, and he's like, hey, there's been a power outage in the international terminal, and we're just sitting here waiting. And all the while I'm thinking, we have a flight to Nashville to catch to get home to. What's this going to look like? And I'm, you can look out the window, and you can see other international flights landing, and we're all, it's just piling up. We're all just sitting out there on the tarmac. Well, finally, we get to dock, and we get to disembark, and it was total chaos because instead of, like, the normal schedule where, like, this flight lands, and then, like, 15 minutes later, this flight lands and disembarks, you had all of these gates all at one time being flooded with these flights that had landed and everybody exiting at the same time going through customs, and it was hurried, and it was chaos, and it was... There were grumpy travelers and incompetent airport workers. 
the customs people were great. The U.S. customs people were fantastic. But the Miami airport people, bless their hearts. And they were not being very helpful. So we finally get through customs, and I'm just going, we got to make our flight. We got to make our flight. And remember, there's like 25 of us. And there's all, we got to get through customs. So we get through customs, and now we, we've got our luggage. We've got through customs. Now we have to go back through TSA because we've just landed from an international flight, and now we're flying domestic. So got to go through TSA and check our luggage again. So we go on through TSA, and everybody gets through green light, green light, green light. And then all of a sudden, this one teenage girl on the team, her bag gets flagged to be checked. And I say, oh, my goodness, all right, we, we, we got just a few more minutes. This is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. But the TSA crew that was on that night in Miami, it was like Barnum and Bailey Circus, you guys. It was like, ba, 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 da, 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 da. I mean, they were clowns. They were circus clowns, and they didn't care whatsoever um, that all of these people that had just landed had connecting flights. And it, I wasn't, I'm not asking them to be unsafe and, like, you know, hurry people through, but it's like they were just not good at their job to begin with. And we're, I'm just waiting with this, this teenage girl to get her bag checked, and I'm like, we're going to be late. So I took the rest of the leaders. I was like, you guys get the rest of the kids. You guys go down to the Nashville gate and go ahead and, and board the plane. I'm going to stay here with her, and then her best friend, this other teenage girl, she stayed with her as well. So there's three of us, and we're just waiting for this bag. We're waiting for this bag. Finally, they check through the bag, and they find out that the reason it got flagged is because there was a jar of Nutella in there. Okay. So great. Throw it in the trash. Let's go. I mean, and, and, and I'm, getting a phone, I'm getting a phone call, and the phone call I'm getting from is, one of, is from one of the leaders. And one of the leaders actually happened to be the mom of the, of the best friend that stayed. And she calls me, and she says, um, I'm trying to talk these, the pilot and the, the what do they call the, the flight attendants? I want to say stewardesses. They don't call them that. Flight attendants to, like, wait for you guys. And they're like, well, ma'am, we can only wait so long, and then we have to leave. And so uh, we're, this is all a while while we're still waiting. And then I get another call. They're like, they're going to shut the gate. And she, at this time, she's told me she's got up out of her seat. She's walked back out of the plane, up the jetway, and now she's arguing with the, the gate agent. And the gate agent is like, ma'am, sorry, FAA regulations say the door has to be shut at, by this time, and that's all we can do. And this mom is like pleading and begging because it wasn't good enough for her that, that her daughter was with me and was going to be safe. Because I told her, I said, hey, it's okay. It's all right. If we miss the flight, we will get a couple of hotel rooms. The girls can share a hotel room. I'll get a hotel room. We'll catch the next flight in the morning. It'll be okay. But the mom was not having it. We had given out emotionally and physically and spiritually all week. And she's like, no, I'm ready to be home, and I'm going to have my baby home. And I totally got it. I totally got it. So we are, me and these two girls, were through TSA, and we were huffing and puffing, puffing through the airport. It was like the Home Alone scene where the family is running through Chicago O'Hare to get to their gate, right? Because they're flying to Paris. And that was like us. We were just trying to get to the Nashville gate. Finally, we round the corner. 
I mean, this is like after we're running and we're, we're, we're running past like the courtesy carts that are driving the old people, you know, we're passing them and we we run around the corner and I'm like, wait, just as the gay agent is shutting the door, like the door is in motion and I holler out and she stops and then they let us on the plane and I get to my seat and I'm just exhausted and I just started thinking, if that was my daughter, what would I do? I'd do the same thing. I'm not leaving here without her. I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not taking another step. I'm not doing it. I'm not going if she's not going. And this is the kind of resolve that Moses had in Exodus 33. He, he prays, God, I'm not going if you're not going. I don't want to do this if you're not in this. I want to share with you the message paraphrase of this passage. Uh, in Exodus 33, verse 14 through 16, God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. And Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. How else will it be known that you're with me in this and, and with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special and I and your people among all the other people on this planet earth? And Moses is saying, God, more than anything, I want your presence. And I want myself and I want the people to be known and marked by your presence. You know, there's a lot of things that our church could be known for. Our church could be known as the most friendly church in all of Middle Tennessee. And that would be awesome to have that reputation. Our church could be known for having solid children's ministry and youth ministry. For like really raising up kids to be disciples of Jesus. And that, that would be fantastic to be known for that. It would be, it'd be good. And I want to be known for that. And, and how we worship the Lord and how we are free in worshiping the Lord and how we're spirit-led and how the presence of God comes, you know, in, in, in our times of worship and we, we flow with the Spirit. All that would be wonderful if we were known for that. All of that's great. But above all of those markers, I want to be marked by our hunger for the presence of God. That's what Moses wanted. That's what he wanted more than anything else in the world was the presence of God. The vision for Seeds Church is that we would be people who pray like this. God, there's a lot we could do in our own power. We've got talent. We've got experience. We've got resources. But God, if your presence doesn't mark us, then we don't want to go. We just want you. We just want you. God, your first place. God, we want your presence more than anything else. God, we desire you. We're desperate for you. We're passionate for you. It's you above anything or anyone else. That's what Moses was saying in Exodus 33. And if we look at Moses' journey, we see this history of prayer that he has with God that led actually up to this moment in Exodus 33. We can see how powerful that prayer was because Moses 
had already been forever marked by the presence of God. He had already tasted and seen that the Lord was good. In Exodus 3, Moses encounters God in the burning bush. And God didn't tell Moses to go into Egypt because, like, Moses, you got it, bro. You're strong enough. You're tough enough. You're smart enough. You're skilled. That's not what the Lord told Moses. God said that it didn't have anything to do with Moses. It didn't have anything to do with his abilities or expertise. It had to do with God's ability. And the Lord said, Moses, don't worry. I'll be with you. And then in Exodus 13, God's presence is leading the Israelites out of Egypt with a cloud by day that's giving them relief from the hot sun, and then fire by night that's bringing them warmth during that, those cold desert nights. And, and it's the manifest presence of God that is leading Moses and the people. The presence of God is what they have their eyes on. They're experiencing the power and the presence of God at every turn. God is at work. God is it with them. And we see how God providing them for them with food and for water. And it's supernatural experience after supernatural experience. And there's God activity and it's the presence of God is there. And it's what they're becoming dependent upon. In Exodus 14, Pharaoh decides, you know what? I made a mistake. I let all of my Israelite slaves go, and I want them back. And he's the most, probably the most powerful man on the planet at this time in history. And I, so if you're the most powerful man on the planet, I would assume you would have the most powerful army. And he sends his army after the Israelites But God causes the Red Sea to split for the Israelites, and they're walking through the seabed on dry ground with a wall of water on this side and a wall of water on this other side. And God, this is, guys, this is not make believe fairy tale stuff. This happened. Boys and girls, do you realize this? These are the miracles of God. This is the God that we served who split the Red Sea and allowed three million Israelite slaves to escape their, those who pursued them. And at just the right time after the Israelites had crossed and the armies of Pharaoh had come through, God caused the walls of water to collapse and cave and he rescued the Israelites supernatural experience after supernatural experience they're becoming dependent upon the presence of God Exodus 24 we see Moses entering a season of seeking God seeking the presence of God seeking direction from God building relationship with God that's exactly what we're going to start doing next Sunday This is what the 28 days of fasting and praying is about. We're going to read a chapter of Matthew every day. We're going to seek the face of God. We're going to draw near and develop greater intimacy with God. And in Exodus 24, Moses ascended Mount Sinai. And the presence of God descended and met him. Imagine what that would have been like for Moses. How powerful would that have been? How amazing would that have been? 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. And during the 40 days, during Moses' time of, of seeking the Lord, 
spending this time in his presence, I don't think that Moses was bothered by not being up to date with the latest news. I don't think he was checking his news app. Let's see what Fox News says here. I've got to turn on the news at the first thing in the morning, or I've got to check the news now. I don't think Moses was worried about that. I don't think he was worried about the score of the game. There's been a lot of great football on, especially on Friday when Tennessee beat Clemson. Praise the Lord. But I don't think Moses was thinking about that because the presence of God is incomparable. Shout out to Alabama for winning also yesterday. Anyway, um, got to root for the conference. I don't think Moses is worried about how many likes or comments that he got on his Facebook post or his story. I don't think that Moses was like worried about missing his favorite foods. Or, man, I got I'm fasting caffeine. I got to get that coffee. I can't wait. Just day 41, Jesus. Just help me get through day 41. I'll get that coffee again. I don't think that's what was on Moses' mind. I think he was okay with being consumed by the presence of God. So Moses develops this history with God. And it builds up to his prayer that we read in Exodus 33. And he's seen the works of God and he spent significant time in the presence of God. So now we can see where Moses is coming from when he says, God, if you're not in it, then I'm not either. If your presence isn't with us, then I'm not going. If your presence doesn't mark us, if it doesn't distinguish us, then I don't care. I've been spoiled by your presence. I've been forever ruined and changed by your presence. Life as I knew it before, in my own strength, it's gone. And I'm not going back to the old way. And my prayer for you and for me is that we spend This 28-day season of seeking God in the place of prayer and fasting and reading God's word, that we would be dissatisfied with the thought of going back to what it was like before we started the 28 days. Not that the 28 days would be like just a respite of like, okay, we're going to do this little thing, and then it'll go back to normal afterwards. No, but in 28 days, God, I want to be changed. I want to be different than I was on January 7th. And I don't want to go back to that. You got to get desperate. I want to encourage us. Let's develop our own history with God. And stop letting it be just secondhand information. Thank God for the word. Thank God for, for the truth that's here. But I don't just want to know about it theoretically. I want to experience it and let it be alive in my life. I'm, not, I'm glad for what God's doing in Joshua's life, but I want to know what God's doing also in my life. God, I don't want to do this without your presence in front of us. Guiding us, leading us, cloud by day, fire by night. I want to see supernatural experience after supernatural experience. I want a church that's marked by the presence of God. 
this past week, I'll wrap up, we'll wrap up soon, and, and we're going to receive from the Lord's table here in just a little while. This past week, I hope you got to spend some time with family and maybe some close friends. We did. We got to drive over and see part of my family in Crossville, and then we went all the way further east as far as you can go to Bristol to see some of Jamie's family. And one of the cool things that we got to do while we were there is we loaded up all the kids, and we went to the Bristol Motor Speedway because they have the Christmas light show that you drive through on the property, and that's all the different things. And I'm, you guys have probably done something like this somewhere. And you, all the music is like, it's like you tune into the radio station and the lights are timed to the music. It's really cool. And it's winding you through the property and the parking lots. And you go up and you actually are on a drag strip for part of it. And you come back around. And then you end up in the speedway, in your car, on the track. Super cool. It's worth a five-hour drive to get there just to be able to do that. And you drive around the track. And then you end up in the infield. And then they've got like some you know, Christmas Village in the infield, and you get to get out of your car and, you know, ride a carousel and drink some hot chocolate and, praise God, eat a funnel cake. Amen. No more of that. Anyway. And I'm just always amazed at that facility every time I go by it. I'm not a big race fan, but it's a pretty incredible thing to see that a facility like that. And a few years ago, they had at the Bristol Motor Speedway um, a football game called the Battle at Bristol. And if you don't know what that is, it was, to this day, still the world's largest attended football game. It was the University of Tennessee beating Virginia Tech. And my brother-in-law asked if I wanted to come, and we got to go. Uh, he had a connection there at the Speedway. And so we're, we're at, at the football game, and the first place we start is in one of the skyboxes. Pretty cool. It's great. We didn't have to sit in the grandstand bleachers that were super crowded. I mean, we're, we're talking about this is the largest attended football game in the history of the world. So you can imagine how squeezed in you are on those bleachers with everybody. And I just felt so privileged. We got to be in a skybox. It was super cool. And have air conditioning. You know, it was awesome. And then at the end of the first quarter, we got invited, you know, the, my, my brother-in-law's connection came and found us. He says, hey, would you guys like to go to the executive suite? We're like, yes, we would. What? I don't even know what's there, but yes, that sounds nice. <laughs> and so you went from having pretty nice chairs and seats to now plush leather recliners, with not only could you see the field, but now you've got like all these deluxe televisions in front of you, and that's in front of you, and then behind you up here on this other area is like five-star, all-you-can-eat buffet. Like, we're not talking a golden corral here. We're, we're like, we're talking like next-level bacon-wrapped scallops. You know, good stuff. Also air-conditioned, you know, it was beautiful. Well, so we spend the second quarter there, halftime, third quarter. At the end of the third quarter, we have another visit from the friend. And he says, how would you guys like to go down and finish the game out on the field? Uh, yeah. Yeah, please, thank you. So we got these passes. 
And we got to go down. I mean, it, it took us like 15 minutes just to get down there. We went under the tunnel, under the track, and came up under. And we got to stand basically at the back of the end of Tennessee's end zone and watch the rest of the game from there. Cheering. It was awesome. And you were down there, and you can hear the players yelling. And you can hear the crashing of the pads. You're right there. And it's all you're experiencing right there. And then after the game is over, it's just like everybody's out at one time. And it takes hours to leave the property. So we ended up next to the COO of the Wynn Hotel Las Vegas. And he's like, what do you guys do? And we're like, we're preachers, me and my brother-in-law. We're preachers. He goes, you guys want to come back to our tailgate and wait out this traffic? We're like, sure. And so (laughs) we're hanging out with the COO of the Wynn Wynn Hotel Las Vegas uh, he's there because, you know, it was a big game to bet on. And so we're just like, hey, uh, we're planting churches, you know, and just hanging out with these people. And it was an incredible experience. And there's been talk about a battle at Bristol, too. I don't think it's, it's there's a date set yet, but there's, there's talk about, okay, we're going to do another football game like this. And my brother-in-law and I have been talking about, man, we, we should plan to go again. But here's the deal. If we go again, I'm not, stand, I'm not sitting in the grandstand bleachers. I've been ruined forever. <laughs> I have experienced the executive suite. I've experienced what it's like to cheer for my team from the back of their end zone. I, I'm not, I'm not if, if it's like going to sit back in the grandstand bleachers with the crowds of people, that's great. But I can't do that anymore. I'll just as soon watch it on television from my house, from my couch. And you guys see, I've spent time in the presence of God. And I've seen him at work. And I've experienced the supernatural. And I don't want to go back the way, to the way that it was before. I'm forever ruined by the presence of God. God, above everything else, I want you. I'm not going without your presence. I'm coming after you. I'm going your way. I'm desperate for you. I'm seeking you. I'm drawing near to you. I'd rather be in the wilderness with your presence than be in the promised land without your presence. Do you hear that? Show me your glory. And so as we begin 2023, let's be people that that hungers and thirsts for the presence of God more than anything else. And I know that as we set our face to seek God over these next 28 days, starting next week, that as, as we draw near to God, that he will draw near to us. We have that promise from the scripture. James chapter 4, draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We live in a culture, guys, where it is actually easy for us to settle for something less than nearness to God. It's easy because we're blessed. And we have entertainment and all kinds of distractions at our fingertips. And we have the comforts of this life and this world. And it's easy to settle to be somewhere else than where God's inviting us to. But I say, let's go to the mountain. Let's go. Let's get ruined by his presence. 
Let's seek him. Because when we seek him, we will find him. On this first day of the new year, I feel it very appropriate for us to come to the Lord's table this morning. But and you guys can go ahead and come if you'd like, our servers. But we're going to remember all of what Jesus has done for us and accomplished for us where his body was broken and his blood was shed for us, and it is represented here at the table. But before we do this, I, I just want to share with you what I felt like the Lord speaking to me for this church for 2023. 2020 was strong families. 2021 was trust in the Lord like never before, and man, did we have to. Some hard moments. Last year, this shaped by the word, led by the spirit. All those things are true and all those things we're bringing with us. But I was in prayer Tuesday morning, December 6th, right over here on the other side of this wall in our Tuesday morning prayer meeting, sitting over here in a chair. And I'm praying for you, praying for this church, praying for all of you and your families. And up out of my spirit came this phrase, God, I, I pray that you would make every home an altar. Every home an altar, God, at Seeds Church. That we would be living sacrifices. God, that it wouldn't just be something that we, we do when we come to church and make our time with you here an altar, but God, our homes would be an altar, burning incense and sacrifice to you. And I'm going to talk a lot more about that next week. And we're going to talk a lot about it throughout this year. But in these next few moments, as we're getting ready to receive from the Lord's table, I think it would be good as if we come to the table asking the Lord to minister to us, saying, Lord, what does it look like for me and my family to make our home an altar to you this year? Lord, what would it look like for me and my family to learn this year how to host the presence of God in our home? What does it look like for me to draw near to you? What does it look like for you to say to God, God, I'm not getting on that plane without you? What does it look like for you and your family to be consumed with seeking God above everything else?